All right, ladies, we're going to move ahead now. We're on verse 12 of Proverbs 31. Oh, you say you hadn't heard any of these before? Well, we've got to catch you up quickly then. We started two broadcasts ago uh, working in Proverbs 31 at verse 10, and uh, we said that uh, in verse 30, uh, verse 10, that uh, the scriptures indicate that a well-rounded woman, a woman of many parts, as it literally says in the Hebrew, uh, is to be commended uh, far above a precious jewel. That's how much her, uh, she is worth. And that her husband is the kind of man who can put his trust in her and entrust things to her, and he will never lack profit. She won't uh, cause him problems and uh, create all kinds of difficulties, but indeed she'll bring profit into the home as a result. Now we're going to look at verse 12 which is a very critical verse in this whole discussion. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Now, I think there are a couple of things in this verse. First of all, that's, of course, what she finally uh, ends up achieving. A woman who is well-rounded, who uses all of her gifts and her abilities uh, as that God has given to her rather than letting them just go to seed, and uh, who is willing to uh, uh, pitch in and develop these gifts and find ways that she can contribute more and more to the welfare of her family and to the decision-making process and the, the uh, efforts that need to be expended in that family. That woman, of course, is one who is not going to uh, uh, create a lack of profit and who is going to do good rather than harm all the days of her life to her husband. But it takes more than that. It takes a real determination that she is going to be husband-oriented. I think that's the second thing that this verse is saying. She is concerned about doing good and not harm to her husband all the days of her life. Not only are her activities done within the framework of the fact that she's married, she's in a marriage, she's not on her own, she's not living for herself, she's living for Jesus Christ, but she's also under Jesus Christ living for another person someone with whom she has become one flesh, as Genesis puts it, or as that really means, one person. She no longer is an individual on her own. She is a part of a larger individual. She is part of that one person that she and her husband became when the two of them were married. You know, in, in Genesis where it says the two shall become one flesh, that's not speaking about uh, sexual intercourse. A lot of people think that it is. Of course, that's included in it as one element, but that's a very uh, minor and small element in the whole picture. When it's talking about becoming one flesh in Genesis, the second chapter, what it's talking about is becoming one person, as I said. Uh, for example, over in, uh, in the book of uh, Genesis, a little bit further along, where uh, we read about the flood uh, that occurred in Noah's day, we read that God says, I'm going to destroy all flesh. And he didn't mean he was just going to destroy the flesh and not the bones, not the rest of the, the human being or something of that sort. Uh, flesh is over against something else. No. What he means is I'm going to destroy everybody, as we say. And when we say everybody, we don't mean to focus on the body when we say everybody. We mean every person. And that's exactly the way the Hebrews talked about a person. They said uh, all flesh. For example, when it says in the scriptures in uh, 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 the book of Acts, that I'm going to pour out my uh, spirit upon all flesh. It didn't mean he was just going to pour it out on the flesh and no other part of the body, but it meant that he's going to pour it out on all kinds of people, all sorts of persons, young, old, so forth. And uh, so this is the point that's being made here. She has become one person, one flesh, one person with her husband. And she recognizes that. 
That's what Proverbs 31 is saying. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She, she is concerned about that husband, and she is really living for that husband. She's not living for herself. Just as he is living for her, he's not living for himself if, if he's doing what God wants him to do because the two of them have become one. And so she's concerned about his welfare, and she tries to do him good and not harm all the days of her life. Now, if you were in a counseling session such as I have been in hundreds of times at the Christian Counseling and Educational Center in Laverock, Pennsylvania, where uh, we do uh, so much counseling and where we train counselors, uh, pastors for counseling, uh, you would know that there are an awful lot of women who get to a place where they are out to do all the harm they can to their husbands and no good at all. They are so angry and so mad and so bitter and so resentful and so nasty about their husbands that they can't think of anything nice to say or anything nice to do. And if they could, they would get angry over the fact that they thought of something nice to do because their whole orientation is, what can I do to get even with that guy? Or what can I do to irritate him? What can I do to really get him to pop off? What can I do to get under his skin? They would like to stick the straws under the fingernails and light them with matches. That's how they, their attitudes are toward their husbands. If there's some of you wives out there who have that kind of an attitude to your, toward your husband today, there's just one thing you've got to do. You've got to get down on your knees before God, and you've got to repent, and you've got to seek God's forgiveness for that nastiness and that bitterness and that hatred and all the rest that may be bound up in it. You know what's there better than I. Of course, God knows better even than you. And you've got to seek his forgiveness for that. And getting up off of your knees, the next thing you've got to do is to go and tell your husband that you've been wrong in, that, in these things and seek his forgiveness. And the third thing you've got to do is to ask God and your husband to give you the strength to, to live in a different way in the future and to look at those ways in which you've been bitter and nasty and the words and the habits you've developed and saying nasty things and all the rest of it and to start changing those patterns according to the way that God says that you need to live instead. So there's a lot of work to be done. I haven't time to go into all of that in the, at this point, but part of it, for example, is not to allow uh, your anger to go, the sun to go down on your anger, as Ephesians 4 says. Uh, one of the reasons you can become so resentful and so bitter is because it has become crusted and hardened over a period of time and you've allowed things to build up one on top of another. And that's why you're seeking to do him evil rather than good uh, at this point in your life. No, you've got to turn all of that around by seeking God's help and even the help of your husband if necessary and telling him that you want to deal with problems every day and not let them build up again as they have in the past. Maybe even to start a daily time when the two of you sit down together and talk about matters and then before going to bed pray about matters. No wonder you've been so nasty to him about sex in the bed. No wonder you've withheld your body from him and no wonder you've been so, so mean to him in so many ways holding all this stuff inside. Uh, you just can't do that. It's sin. It's sin against God and it's sin against your husband. And it's really sin against you yourself too because you know that you've been making your own life miserable uh, through this kind of thing. So get out there and confess your sin to God and confess it to your husband, and the two of you sit down and start working on building a new relationship with each other that really grows out of dealing with problems every day and dealing with them in the right and biblical fashion. And if you can't really get together the way you should, then you better go see your pastor and see him quickly. If you're doing him evil rather than good, 
at this point in your life, then you go see your pastor if you, you're not able to get out of this yourself and tell him what your problem is. The two of you go and talk about it and get this matter squared away and let him help to bring about this new relationship that grows out of reconciliation between the two of you. But the goal of every woman, every wife, every woman who is married, every wife, is that she ought to be that she ought to do good for her husband and not evil all the days of her life. That should be your goal, husband-oriented, to do him good and not evil. He is the other side of your life, the other half of the person that you are, this fuller person that came into being when the two of you uh, made a contract before God and one another that you were going to meet each other's loneliness. Lord, help wives to recognize these things today. Speak very directly to hearts. Bring some wives to repentance who need to and soften the hearts of their husbands as they go to talk to them. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.